0: Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Fine Fit Show. Today we are joined by Paul Mort. How are you going? How's it going, Paul? Mate, I am doing
1: great. I'm excited to see what we are talking about today and where our discussion leads me. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no, you're Good
0: very welcome. Well, I kind I of kind discovered you obviously on the, as a lot of people have recently, on the James Smith podcast, and became highly recommended by one of our clients. She shared one of the webinars we were doing recently into our members group that kind of tickle my fancy and i kind of started watching your daily videos even inspired me to start doing a little bit more kind of on the camera you know kind of off the cuff kind of stuff just kind of speaking speaking from the heart yeah um you know I, i've got your book here uh, fucking unstoppable um unstoppablebooks.com um so before we get into it paul like what's the what's your story what are you about who do you help well oh we could go on a long time
1: here i've uh, i will marry businessmen um who need to get their shit together I do that through various things, my online programs, my offline events, my book, um, my webinars, my Facebook, my Instagram, my LinkedIn, speaking all over the world on the stage, which I'm really missing right now. And I kind of ended up here by mistake, or by accident, I kind of stumbled into it. Um, And it happened mainly from 2014. 2014 I was suicidal Um, after building a few successful businesses Four bedroomed um, villa with a private pool out in Marbella. Uh, Two beautiful kids, beautiful wife, but I kind of sacrificed a lot to make it there. And inside I was empty, essentially miserable, unhappy. Um, And then I managed to turn my life around from being um, suicidal, five stone overweight, um, diagnosed bipolar, um, a big booze and cokehead every weekend. Traveled all over the world, did a bunch of courses, studied with the different people, study with different mentors, coaches, courses, seminars, workshops, um, masterminds, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I managed to turn my life around, and then a bunch of people asked me how I did it, and we built this um, we built this monster where I coached over a,
0: a thousand men, um, and I'm current UK Master Coach of the Year. Amazing, and I think that's one of the first things you want to talk about is kind of obviously your own transformation, and then one of these concepts where some of the best coaches have coaches. Yeah, what I'm saying? Can you kind of kick it all off. I'm just gonna, for, me, for me, a coach that doesn't have a coach doesn't believe in coaching. Yeah, true. Um, and you kind of kicked it all off. You kind of started with Wake Up Warrior with Garrett J. White over yep. in America. Kind of made a big investment. Another thing we like to talk about, kind of leverage, leverage yourself, kind of committed to the program rather than kind of waiting for motivation to, to, to yep. actually happen. Yep. Um, tell us about that experience. Well, so for me, that whole committing to the course was, if I didn't commit to that
1: course, I would have probably died. I'd have probably, I would have probably took my own life. The system was failing me back then. Um, I needed to be essentially woke the fuck up. And Garrett, uh, wake up, worry, I was tiny then. Like, now it's massive. I think they're doing, they probably work with 10, 20,000 men, maybe even more. Back then, there was 12. So I committed to it early doors. Garrett said things in a way that I needed them to be said to me. Um, I think the challenge we have as men these days is that there's a lot of molly coddling. We've gone in. we very, for me, we're in a very feminine world, um, right now, and, and and men are getting mollycoddled, and it's not about manning up. It's just about waking the fuck and being not told what you want to hear, but having someone challenge your beliefs and having someone, um, that's what Garrett was for me. He taught me some tools that led me to the Byron Katie School for the work that led me to the Debbie Ford Institute that led me to all sorts of different programs. But it all started for me when I just saw Garrett basically telling me to stop fucking lying yeah. uh, we went out there we had fights with people um, I went out there for a couple of years maybe seven, eight times out in Laguna Beach, California um, and again that started my journey
0: and that's something that's kind of worked very well for you. Do you think this kind of whole concept of like masterminds and getting yourself around kind of more successful people is something that we're trying to maybe start to replicate within our own business. We started doing something we call the fitness mindset mastery. And, yeah. um, you know, we've had the comments, you know, people saying that day they, they changed my year, changed my life. You get what I'm saying? These, these things are very powerful, but I feel well, like
1: yeah, I've had coaches since I, was, I mean, my first coach, I probably hired when I was 24 inside a business. And um, so again, I think we've got a lot of people in the world that are trying to figure shit out on their own. And there were people, there are people that have already made, the mistakes. There are people that already haven't figured out yet. Yeah, a lot of us, especially men, we, we, we think it's a weakness by asking somebody how they did it. Like, you think yeah. about this, Tony Robbins has got this statement "With the fastest way to be successful is to model someone that is already successful. Yeah. But that's all I've done inside of every area of my life. I mean, even now, I have multiple coaches across the board because I can either try and figure it out myself, make all the mistakes myself, or I can pay somebody else to show me how to do it. Yeah, it's fucking 100%. stupid. Like, you think about this, you don't get a self taught boxer. Yeah. You don't get good just hitting the fucking bag. Yeah, so I, I think you called in your book, it's the, the dummy tax. The dummy tax, yeah. You can pay the dummy tax pay, um, by trying to figure it out yourself. Like, it, it ends up costing it because people are like, all oh, coaches are a cost, masterminds are a cost, programs are a cost. But actually, there's way more cost in terms of time and money trying to figure it all out yourself.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've kind of I've kind of learned obviously uh, over time is well, I can obviously you, you got all the books, you know, you got all the stuff and like all the concepts and theories are there, but a lot of it, it's just human nature. Like we don't necessarily always do the things you're supposed to do. So having a coach under there to keep you accountable, to not give do. you the proven strategy, the proven structure. Yeah, it's easier, it's way easier not to do the work. Where do you want to
1: go? But often having a coach, a couple of things might happen. One, you put skin in the game, which basically you make an investment, getting a book for a tenner, eight quid. And not doing anything with it doesn't fucking matter in the grand scheme of things. It's eight quid. yeah. It's a couple of pints. So it, it don't matter. But when you're dropping 20 grand to join a mastermind, you're going you're gonna to do what's required. 100%. You're not the game. And when we make an investment, we want a return on the investment. Yeah. Now, secondly, also having a peer group or just one person to call you out when you haven't done what you said you would do, that's powerful because when we have a fear of letting somebody down, That often gets us to do the work when it's uncomfortable or it's, um, what's the other word? Uncomfortable or inconvenient. Because the thing is, we can set goals ourselves, but we're used to letting ourselves down. Most of us are world-class and letting ourselves down. So there's no fear. When we have fear of letting somebody else down, that's often a high amount of leverage and enough leverage to get you to do what's required when it's uncomfortable and inconvenient
0: yeah 100 that's that definitely that's a behavior i noticed on myself and myself and my brothers and one of our friends we kind of created this a little, a little wolf pack group we call it um it was we kind of i'm not sure who where i came, became aware of the concept but it was this kind of shame versus guilt complex and i was like it's easy for me to let myself down but i will not let other people down so what we done was um the say like the punishment the group, so everyone sets like a weekly target and if you don't hit the weekly target yeah. everyone in the group has to run so we all had so it was 5k for every person who didn't yeah. hit the goal you know what i'm saying so yeah, it's easy to fail in private yeah what isn't so what isn't um what isn't so uh, easy is failing
1: in public and the reality is most people have that fear of failing in public, which is why most people don't take action they don't want to, it's not because of fear of they have a fear of failure this imposter syndrome whole shit that everyone seems to be talking about right now total whole shit it's um the, the, Wait, why do you
0: say that about imposter syndrome what's That's well,
1: not a fucking disease about? is it yeah <laughs> it like it. what tablets do you take for the imposter syndrome yeah and total horse shit.
0: We, want myself and the guys, because obviously his person It's a cares, label so that basically
1: things. means I'm uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. Or I have, maybe I haven't done the work yet. I haven't got the experience. I haven't, I done, know, the work
1: yet. I- I haven't done the work yet. I'm believing my thoughts. Maybe I'm not good enough. I'm uncomfortable. It's not a fucking disease. It's not an illness. That's what imposter syndrome. A guy emailed me today, or oh, I have imposter syndrome. Show me. Yeah. It's fucking bullshit. You believe in your thoughts, you're uncomfortable, period. Yeah. I believe- very. It adds so much drama to it. It's turning people into a drama queen. Yeah. It adds intensity to the emotion, which is essentially all it is. I'm uncomfortable. That's all you're seeing. I'm uncomfortable here. You're know not a fucking imposter. It's not imposter syndrome. It's to- you haven't got a fucking disguise on. You haven't got a big nose and glasses and a mustache attached to it, one of those things. It's fucking bullshit. It's just, it, it, for me, now it's turning into an excuse for people to not do what's required. It's turning into an excuse. I have this imposter syndrome. Well, who gave you that label? Who who diagnosed you with that? Fuck off, man.
0: And for me, I think it's a very dangerous game. I see a lot of people playing nowadays and it's the the label themselves. It's just, I have, I have imposter syndrome. I have anxiety. I have have bipolar. I have bipolar. I use the the same excuse. I'm placing a label on
1: myself. The problem is it becomes part of your identity and your identity and your habits and your behaviors will always go together. Yeah. So some people, I've with over a thousand guys inside of my program. In fact, right now, I'm probably working actively with about 700 guys, right? And I think I might be under, underestimating that 1,000 guys number. It's probably close out of two. And there are some people that come in and they don't want to be fixed. They don't want to get their shit together because if they do, they lose their identity, which means they lose their excuses, they lose their attention that they get, they lose the sympathy that they get from people and they have to lose their identity. And that's a big challenge for them.
2: Yeah.
1: Cause they're essentially challenging who they are. That's yeah. why people don't like it. When I talk about the imposter thing, they don't like it. When I talk about depression, isn't something that you catch anxiety isn't contagious either. They don't like it because it challenges their beliefs.
0: Yeah. That's what my kind of struggle with my journey, obviously, was kind of, and we'll talk a little bit about boxing later, kind of, obviously, kind of growing up through my teens, you know, I was right. fat as a kid, got into boxing, you know, kind of through boxing, I kind of developed my confidence, and then, but as, in my later teens, as many as many teens do, you kind of fall away from sport, get yeah. more interested in girls, and I said all that kind of fun stuff, and I lost yeah. my identity as a boxer, and yeah. then I kind of started gaining weight, kind of felt a little bit lost in life, and then kind of my transformation was getting back to boxing, winning the championship, losing the weight, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. But then just realizing that I need to become more than Stephen the Boxer or Molly, the Boxer. You know what I mean? I need to find this new identity of like yeah. you know, maybe moving towards then maybe Steven, the entrepreneur and these other yeah. things and all yeah. these yeah. areas of our life. And we talk about your five assets, it's like maybe it's even more important not to be niched into any specific area that you gotta be a little more balanced in your approach, especially yeah. when you're when you're goal setting. Yeah, well
1: a lot of the time then this is what happened to me the first time around. I spent so much time building my business that I fucked the rest of my life up. We see this all the time. Garrett told me way back when it's the it's the curse of the one-dimensional douchebag. We all know people that make loads of money, but they're fat. The wife hates the wife hates them, and they never see their kids. Yeah. But the business is great. Yeah. We see it all the time: fitness people, shredded but fucking eating cat food because they don't know anything about business. Yeah, the sh- oh you got six-pack. Well, yeah, you're eating fucking dog food, mate, because they don't know anything about business. They can't hold the relationship down because they're so fucking obsessed with themselves. So yeah, there's the, it, it's, a, it's creating a balanced man. And it's not about time, it's just about attention. Yeah. You put all your attention on the business, of course, you, of course your business is going to grow. But if it's not attention on anything else, I guarantee there'll be some wandering
0: going on. Yeah. And you said you kind of call it the five Fs. Kind of the concept I kind of came across was, it was like the different flower pots. It was this kind of concept of like, you can't, if you have like, your, your life is like having these different flower pots. You can't throw loads of water in one and then say, oh, I'll go back to that one later. You have yeah, to- You don't water it, it dies. Yeah, if mean, you don't water it, it dies. The plants. Are, I did an Instagram um,
1: Q and A with my daughter last night, and even she knows that. What happens if you don't water a flower, dies Dad. So yeah, so I, I, I like that analogy, mate. Yeah, it's true. It's yeah. true, and, and of course there are always going to be areas that require more attention than others. Particularly if you are loving that area, because a lot of the time it's just down to what you value the most. You'll always find the time for what you value the most. You'll always find the energy for what you value the most, and you'll always find the money. For what you value the most, as well. Yeah. Like, if I'm like, hang on a second, we we had a. I used to coach a guy who who said he couldn't quit smoking. Spent sixty pound a week on cigarettes. I said, when's the time you took your family on holiday? He said, I can't afford it. Like, bro, you're spending two hundred and forty quid a fucking month on cigarettes. You selfish bastard. Yeah. Suddenly, he found a way to quit smoking. Yeah. He was Um, valuing smoking and the relaxation that it gave him over taking his kids on holiday. I I can have
0: this concept in my head with people with smoke. And I feel like one of the reasons they're so addicted to smoking is because the only time they ever take a deep breath. Yeah. Yeah. They just value
1: relaxation and they haven't found another way to fulfill that value yet.
0: Yeah. That's one of my other kind of theories is like, you know, this kind of thing. The only excuse you'll ever need is I didn't make it a priority. If you're really honest with yourself and you say like, why didn't I do it? Then it wasn't. Overwhelming is the same. Overwhelm isn't a fucking thing either.
1: You're creating it because you're not clear on your priorities. Simple. If you always feel rushed, you're not clear on your priorities. Yeah. Again, all these terms get thrown around. And I do like some of them. And I get why they'd be thrown around, but a lot of them just add intensity and they validate. They validate your behavior a lot of the time. I was like that. I have bipolar. No, I was diagnosed bipolar. I don't have it. And I, I hear people say this, oh, I'm bipolar. I'm like, no, you're not. You got you got given a label by a doctor. When you get diagnosed bipolar, there's not even a fucking test. Yeah. No, I didn't take a single test. Yeah. Just got asked questions, put me on these meds, kept asking about my mood, and then they labeled me bipolar. Not fucking having it.
0: Yeah. And this is something I I again, another thing I think is kind of dangerous in society these days, it's like this kind of concept of like, you know, pop go to the doctors once and you're walking out of that 10-minute appointment with, with a with a with a bag full of Xanax. You know what I'm saying? And I now now you've got this identity and now you kinda of have this dependency upon this. This external I mean, you, I but think sometimes, listen, I'm not a doctor, and,
1: and sometimes I think, do you know what, sometimes there may be a place for that, but the person has to realize that there's not a chemical in that drug that you can't create yourself,
2: Yeah.
1: there's not a chemical in that drug that your brain cannot create, yeah. that you can't create yourself, and again, anxiety and depression are the same, we create them, we don't catch them, and meds might get you through a certain period of time, but how long do you want to be on them for, mm-hmm. the meds I was on when I came off them, when I wanted to come off them, I had to get my bloods taken twice a week to make sure that my liver didn't fail. Right. That's how fucking shit the tablets were. Twice a week to make sure. If I just stopped taking them, by the way, which I wanted to, but my wife wouldn't let me. She said, "You need to go and speak to the doctor." She said, and and they said, "Oh no, you need to get your bloods taken twice a week because if you just stop taking them, your liver'll fail and you'll die." Yeah. Imagine what that's doing to me. Yeah.
0: I just think it's so dangerous that they're, that they're giving that so freely. And can I, maybe, can I, it's a, maybe a, a window in the kind of the culture that I grew up in. Like, you know, we had, we had people like, you know, they used to just go to the doctor just to get them and then maybe sell them to other people. You know what I'm saying? Just like yeah. how quick and easy it is to get your hands on these things. It's like there's no, there's it's no like, easy, it's, it. it's, way more, it's way more convenient to take a pill than, the, than it is to go and fucking
1: exercise. Yeah. It's way more convenient to order a bag of Coke than it is to not order a bag of Coke most of the time for people. That's why people do what they do. Everything that we do tends to be, well, because we we'll get something from it. But also our number one priority really is to feel better. That's why people drink. That's why people smoke. That's why people do coke. That's why people smoke weed because they want to feel better. They just haven't found a better way to feel better that isn't as destructive and isn't as convenient. Yeah. So when people say to me, I'm going to stop boozing, I'm like, what are you going to do instead? They're like, nothing. I'm just going to stop boozing. You're fucking not, mate.
0: Yeah. That's just like, so something. something in parts. our habits. is like we don't replace how, or we don't eliminate habits. We replace them.
1: That's exactly it. Yeah. You can't just stop the. So again, it's like I say this this all the time. But if you think you're gonna stop a habit, and not replace it, it's like going into a titty ball and saying, "Hey, I'm not gonna. I'm just in here to have a look and have a drink. I'm not gonna look at the tits. <laughs> yeah, whatever, bro.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then so anybody listen like so obviously listen a lot of people are kind of are hungry for change hungry for transformation they want their lives to be better um, and then something that you talk in your book is this kind of concept of responsibility and um, yep. but it's something i i really believe in it kind of it's kind of similar to this kind of jocko willing prince principle of kind of extreme ownership if you want to change it has to start with you and it has to start with you taking responsibility for as much as you can possibly take responsibility for instead of this blame culture where it's the government it's the weather, you know, it's the economy, it's my friends, it was my upbringing, blah, 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 blah. The list goes on and on and on. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: But there's only two things we can control, really. can't control the government, I can't control what my mom and dad have done, I can't control my wife, I can't even control my kids, I can impact them. And sure, your upbringing may have had an impact. Your town where you're from may have had an impact. So these things may have had an impact, but there's only two things you're in control of. That's your perception of things and your behavior. Those are two things that you can always control. Anything else is a fucking lie and a cop-out. You've got to think that every time I'm pointing the finger, there's three pointing back at us. And every time i point the finger, I relinquish power. I give power to the government when I blame them. And I have none. I give power to my neighbours when I blame them or my town, and I have none. So the reality is this. People will only change and transform when they see that the perceived drawbacks of staying the same... Are bigger than the perceived benefits of staying the same, because we all have the life we're willing to put up with. Yeah, so true. I'm more willing to put up with it based on perceived drawbacks, perceived benefits, perceived positive, perceived negatives, perceived advantages and perceived disadvantages. And most people won't change because they seeing more benefit in staying the same
0: yeah. than the
1: doing benefit of changing.
0: This is, this is another thing I learned from, from Jordan Peterson. I'm sure, sure you knew who that is. Um, he has this kind of concept of, it's like this heaven and hell analogy. So it's like, on goal setting, it's great. It's great to kind of have the vision for the future. It's great to have the, you know, the vision for the healthy body, the brilliant business, you know, the great relationship. But it's also important that we define what does it look like if I don't change? Mm-hmm. You know I mean, if I keep going then. this. It's it, it, pleasure. <laughs> That's what Robbins talks about all the time.
1: Pleasure is not enough to get people going most of the time. In fact, pain pain's going to be the reason why most people start. Pain, drawbacks, disadvantages, negatives will get people started. That's why I'm not, when people get deluded with positive thinking, like for most people, positive thinking is going to keep them fucking stuck. It's deluded.
2: Yeah.
1: For most people, negative thinking is going to be the thing that gets them moving. Negative thinking is going to be the thing that gets them to make take positive action. So it's kind of a combination of both. Like there's no heaven without hell. There's no pain without pleasure. There's no pleasure without pain. There's no positive without a negative. There's no drawback without a benefit. There's no advantage without a disadvantage. Yeah, like you're just going to pick and choose depending on the day think about this most people's problems because short term they will choose pleasure to mask pain most of the time so pleasure is not enough for most people the perceived drawbacks of not achieving it we talked about fear before the perceived drawbacks of not achieving it are going to be a lot of the time the thing that's going to get the work done so you've got to have multiple ways to sell yourself on changing multiple ways to sell yourself on doing the work
0: when you don't want to when you don't feel like it, which is going to be most of the time. Yeah. It's so important that we recognize, that I think for a lot of people, it's like the negative, negative emotion isn't necessarily bad. Maybe you're anxious because that's, it's, it's, it's a sign there's something you need to deal all with. All these with.
1: emotions are there to tell you something.
0: They're all there to tell you something.
1: And it, like I just treat those emotions like an alarm clock. Oh, I feel, um, feel low today. Well, that didn't happen by accident. What I did I do yesterday? Did I drink at the weekend? Yeah, I drank at the weekend. No fucking shit, Sherlock.
2: Yeah.
1: What am I going to do about it? That's the next part. How do I want to feel then? People get so obsessed and addicted to how they don't want to feel. Oh, I don't want to feel like this. I don't want to feel like this. I don't... Well, how the fuck do you want to feel? Because I can't create a strategy around how I don't want to feel. I can create a strategy around how how I do want to feel and then I'm just going to ask myself whether I'm willing to do it or not. Yeah. The real simple process. doesn't mean it's easy. It can be hard. It's challenging. That's why most people struggle so much because it's challenging it's not easy it's not convenient it's not comfortable but the reality the reality is I'm either willing to do it or I'm not I'm either willing to do the work or willing to stay the same I can't be both I can't be willing to not do the work unwilling to do the work and willing to change at the same
0: time it doesn't work like that yeah, I wonder what one of your favorite, uh, Instagram, my favorite one of your, uh, Instagram posts that I liked the most over the last kind of couple of weeks was. Probably even a month or two ago now was this whole one of leverage versus motivation. This kind of concept of everybody wants to be motivated when what we really need to do. Is leverage ourselves as much as possible to take action, like kind of we've done with the kind of little mini wolf pack group. Or I've noticed this was something I, I started doing a long time ago. And I, at, on some level, I kind of felt a little bit bad, and a little bit guilty but I was like, why am I not motivated? I need to be more disciplined. I need to stop relying on these external things to get me moving. But I, I was always like, in the short term, I'll do it. And then eventually, I'll, I'll, I'll be disciplined on It's not even motivation, it's energy.
1: Motivation is just energy. That's all it is. Motivation is feeling like doing something. And that's going to be directly correlated to where your energies at. When you've got leverage, you do whether you feel like it or not. Yeah. So leverage is going to come from multiple places. It's going to come from knowing drawbacks and benefits. It's going to be, it. maybe it comes from fear. Maybe it's going to come from um, accountability. But again, that's a form of motivation. It's external. But most of the time, it's going to come from cost, knowing the cost of not doing it knowing who else it impacts, knowing what it's cost you in the past, knowing what might happen in the future if you don't get it handled. So there's a bunch of ways to get leverage, but in reality, motivation is okay, but it's fickle as fuck. And if all you're relying on is that, you'll fail. It's just a matter of when, not if.
0: And kind of you, in your book, you kind of talk about, you know, building kind of daily, daily, daily rituals, kind of routines, all this kind of stuff to, to make sure you're doing, you kind of got the daily checklist, you know, the wins for the day, all that kind of stuff. Um, I've used something here, it's called like the, the five minute journal. It kind of does the same thing. It's like, you know, you start the day off, you know, what am I grateful for? Um, you know, plan the day, wins from the day, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, that's something that you really kind of uh, promote uh, in your coaching as well. Yeah, I think journaling's important. I think that, that- The challenge
1: with journaling a lot of the time, when you get to a certain level in your life, to-do lists aren't going to be good enough anymore. I can't run the seven-figure company with a fucking to-do list anymore. So what's going to get you to one place isn't going to get you to the next place, but the wins with journaling and the wins with rituals is about the questions that you ask yourself because you already know everything. People get obsessed with consuming and studying and I'm like, I'll guarantee that most people that I know read more than me, they listen to more podcasts than me and they listen to more audiobooks than me. What I know for almost everybody is that they don't get as much fucking completed as me.
2: Because
1: yeah. people get obsessed with consuming. The biggest learning that you'll ever get is inside of your own journal. And that learning will come from the questions that you ask yourself on a daily basis. Putting attention on your intentions. Like you say, measuring your wins, protecting your confidence, um, asking yourself powerful questions. Who needs me to show up the day? Who needs me to show up the most today? Who could I follow up with today to get a deal over the line? What question am I going to ask them? What's my priorities today? Um, what do I want my deal to look like by the end of the day? What do I need to hear today? So a bunch of different questions. That's the best learning you're going to do. I have a saying, which is um, I only read what I need. And I don't learn anything new if there's still stuff to do. Most people just get obsessed with learning because it's
0: another avoidance
1: tactic. Yeah. Same as imposter syndrome. It's an avoidance tactic.
0: Is this kind of concept of imperfect action will always beat no action at all. This is kind of something I've been kind of drilling into drilling into to, to, to my, my brothers and my the other coaches in my business. Like, just my
1: do it. Get, get some audio book I created without a microphone. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. listening to Ryan. I think exactly. I've got about twenty minutes left. Ten thousand copies. I did it without a fucking microphone. I didn't edit it. Because action, you you're right. Action, imperfect action beats action. Done will always be beat and um, polished. None of my content's polished. If you look at my Instagram, it looks like dog shit. But we've gone from 2,000 followers to 19,000 followers in the space of a year. Yeah. And again, we're running a seven-figure company here with unpolished content. I have one video that's being edited, I think.
2: Yeah.
1: It's has 5.7 million views, but. <laughs> the, one, the, the standard on the edge of the cliff video. The cliff, 5.7 million views, yeah, it's crazy. My only polished one. But again, you think about this. Even now, if we're listening to everybody, it's too long. It's 14 minutes long. So we, we've got to stop listening to other people so much and start listening to ourselves and our intuition and reading our fucking thoughts. There's no more powerful book than re- you'll read than your own, the, your own journal, your own, Garrett we used to call it like scripture or something with these, re- with these religion stuff. That's not for me, but your scripture. You're writing your own writing, your own thoughts on paper. you learn more then than you will in any fucking else, anyone else's book. Essentially, anyone else's book's their scripture. It's their learning. This is from someone that's wrote a book and is about to sign a publishing deal. So, but again, it's my learning. I'm getting my thoughts on paper. We spend so much time reading other people's thoughts that we just fucking take ours for granted. We take our intuition and our voice for granted.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Really good, and then because I know you have another uh, section in the book, then it's all about overcoming, uh, you know, stress, overwhelm, anxiety, all this kind of stuff. And you true journaling, true kind of taking the thoughts out of your head and putting them on paper. And you want to share some of the kind of cool kind of tactics and well, tools. Oh, well,
1: here's the thing, right? When you when you're when you are in your head, your ego will show you images, etc., cetera, et cetera, to prove that it's right. If I get my, if you get your thoughts down on paper. We take them out of what is essentially... Your mind is a drama for show. There's loads of intensity to your emotions. We use shit fucking language like the black dog, my anxiety, my depression, I am this, I am that, they are this. All that bullshit. When we get it out of the drama show, we take it from being a problem to a puzzle. A puzzle that we can solve because you'll expose your shit on paper. You will see things for what they really are on paper. So, I mean, there are a bunch of tactics to do it, but essentially... A good place to start is with Byron Katie's work. I spent nine days of that back in 2015, which is incredible. I've probably completed around about 4,000 worksheets. And um, when I talk about putting the reps in, I've put the fucking reps in across like every area of my life. Most people just believe their own bullshit all the time. That's the biggest problem. All stress, all suffering is here, it's here. And nobody even considers actually just exposing it and seeing it for what it is, getting it down on paper and turning from a problem into a puzzle. Yeah. If you wrote down most of your thoughts, you'd be like, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. There's no evidence at all that that's true. Where have I made that up from? Where has that thought come from? Imposter syndrome. What the fuck's that? Where do I get the tablets? What supplements do I take to get rid of that? <laughs> what surgery can I get for my syndrome? This is how I expose all of this stuff. What's that? What does that even mean? So, yeah, um, powerful. One of the most powerful things. that Someone asked me um, on an Instagram queue, and in fact, I've probably been asked it four times, is what's the most simple thing that you do in your daily habits that's made the biggest impact? Journaling. We do what's called prompted journaling here. So we're not just writing. We're not doing like Diary here. We do what's called prompted journaling. So essentially, we have about 18 questions a day that we just answer. And, and it's prompted for many a bit of a prompt it's like a, if you try and build an ikea fucking desk without the instructions you're probably gonna <laughs> fuck it up probably gonna fuck it up so it's going to come down with the quality of the questions and we evolve this thing all the time based on where, where i'm at with my learning and um, so yeah prompt the journal is powerful
0: yeah that's just on my panel could have been maybe brendan brachard told some of that the quality of your life would be the quality of the questions you ask
1: yeah yeah and he has, a, he has a planner called the High Performance Planner. That's a, a great place to get started for anybody that's, that wants prompted journaling.
0: And another, another great free resource for people listening is, I, Byron Katie also has an app. It's called The Work. I think oh, that's it's, incredible. Our app's amazing.
2: Yeah. App's amazing. I,
0: I, need, I, need to ta- I need to touch on it a little bit more. I kind of first became aware of a work maybe. I was working with an Irish guy. There's kind of, um, a lot of mindsets A guy named Pat Dibbley. He's a cool guy. Um, that's, in my, that's in my program. Is he? Yeah, yeah, he done. He, I, I, I don't one of his programs a couple of years back, and, yeah. and he kind of touched on a little bit of Byron Katie's work. and yeah. very, very interesting, really, really cool lady. The
1: Byron Kate is Byron Katie's program, or Byron Katie's work is if I could recommend one book, it would be hers. Only people are like, What book should I read on Mindset? I'm like, Only one, this. Oh, which Mind, one is that? And, What's the name of that book? Uh, Loving, what is. Loving What Is. I wouldn't recommend any. I've read a lot of fucking books. But I wouldn't recommend any other than that. Because mindset is not about resilience and how fucking tough you are and how much you can fucking suffer. It's not about that. Mindset is a set of beliefs and assumptions that are so powerful that your behavior will conform to them. And Byron Katie's work is about those beliefs and assumptions that you make. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mindset is mindset is really one of these things that you know is, is there's a lot of kind of misconceptions around kind of what it truly is. But as you said it literally, is your mindset is just literally yeah, what are, my beliefs, my beliefs and assumptions.
1: That's it. Yeah. And Byron Katie's work has he challenged those beliefs and challenge your assumptions. And I'll tell you this, most men hate it because it challenges their ego. Yeah. It's very challenging. However, it is based around this concept of perception, which I'm huge on. I'm huge on perception, and your perception will dictate your behavior. How you perceive things will dictate what you do. So we have, we, we something happens, we get a challenge in our life, an event happens, we make a perception, we make a decision, and then we behave a certain way. Then we get a result, i.e. our life, what our life looks like. And I said this at the start of COVID, you we, will take two separate guys, I've worked with a lot of fitness people in the past, two separate guys, COVID happened, gym shut down. One guy cancelled all his clients' memberships for them without even asking them. Lost his business. Two other guys that I've got are now have more clients than they did at the start of this because of the perception of events. So they made two different decisions based on perception. Yeah.
0: Perception. Some, yeah. Some some people kind it, of had the mindset where oh shit, kind of the the game's over. or people are like no, there's more people than ever sitting at home looking for an online trainer. That's kind of get the, the to take. Getting in shape because
1: health has became more important than ever. Yeah. So, and and and. The reality is, is that we're trying to change our, our results without even looking at our perception. That's why we'll end up blaming other people all the time because there's a perception of it. So we had two different... Again, y- y- your perception is going to be based on things like where your attention's at, et cetera. But you'll notice that the people that reacted differently to this will probably be based on a couple of things. One, where they're at mentally and physically and emotionally, right? What their is like. And two... How much news they watch and how much time they spend on social media? The people that are reacting like crazily,
0: buying toilet roll and shit, are the ones that watch the most news.
2: Yeah,
0: so somebody became so aware of this, especially with the whole COVID thing and then kind of the Black Lives Matter and all this kind of stuff. There's just been a lot of hype online over the last last kind of couple of weeks and months, and I just really really noticed that the more time I spend on social media, the more it kind of really affects. Kind of my, yeah. my, my, my mindset or my, my, my thoughts for the day. Yeah. You know, really trying to, trying to avoid that. You know, for social media, particularly when your business is quite important. Yeah.
1: But again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to books, spend more time creating than you do consuming. I got asked this morning on Instagram, what you, what's your opinion on the government? I'm like, I don't, I don't, on the current government? I'm like, dude, I'm a, I'll get pelted for this. Guess what? I'm not, I haven't got an opinion because I, I can't make an informed opinion because I'm not informed. I'm too busy focusing on my shit. Whatever government's in control, whoever's in fucking running the government, I'm still in control of my shit. I'm still in control of how I feel, how I behave, how I operate, and the life of me, my family, and the people that pay me money. That's all I give a fuck about, really. The government can do what they want, but they won't govern me. Period. So, again, I have strong opinions on things, but only opinions on things that I have knowledge of. I have no knowledge of shit. So, people ask me about opinions like that all the time. I'm like, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't have any an opinion on it because I don't have any knowledge. And we live in a society where people have very strong opinions and shit they know nothing about. Someone asked me about PTSD. so I'm not, I don't have any experience with PTSD. I have no knowledge and I've never experienced it. So I'm not going to do a video on it. If I
0: did a video on it, I'd be fucking making it up. Yeah. This kind of concept on, on, on social media, something that really tries to help me is like, be, be a producer, not a consumer. That's exactly it. Yeah. Be a creator, not a consumer, yeah? I mean, kind of moving on to kind – of, or maybe touching back on the, kind of the whole concept of, like, fear and anxiety and then kind of segue to maybe into a little bit of combat sports and boxing and MMA. Obviously, that's kind of something for myself kind of growing up that, you know, boxing really kind of helped me face my anxieties, kind of face on uh, yeah. from, from a young age. and um, Something I really didn't – I really didn't understand – that I had the power to control my thoughts and stuff, especially kind of the pre-fight nerves and the butterflies and all this kind of stuff. I yeah. just really wasn't aware that I could, through maybe as we, we touched a little bit, you said something about um, you know scriptures and stuff. But I, met, I in your book you talk about you know mantras and stuff like that. And I had a very interesting conversation with my dad the other day. Um, he, he's he's much more re- religious than than I would be, um, and he like does the rosary and stuff like that. And um, he kind of says every day at three, four o'clock, he says he kind of once he feels anxious, he goes and listens to the rosary. And I just yeah. think it's so interesting. Some of the people are missing. Maybe they don't need. It yeah. Your dad's just diverting his attention. Yeah, there's now he's something to focus on. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's exactly, it. that's exactly it. I was actually talking about nerves with boxing and nerves on the stage because I do a lot of I've I've flown all over the world speaking and I actually really miss it now when we're talking about nerves. And the nerves are just there to make sure I do a good job. Yeah. So I, talk, I, I always compare it to fighters. If you didn't have nerves, you wouldn't bother putting your fucking hands up.
2: Yeah.
1: We <laughs> <Yeah, it's laughs> would sure. right? You're just walking with your hands down. And just throw windmills. If you didn't have the the nerves, are just there to make sure you do a good job. Self doubt has to exist for you to have certainty. Otherwise, you'd make ridiculous decisions. People are like, "Oh well, I want to get rid of this self doubt. I need more confidence." No, you don't. You got to do without confidence sometimes. You know what I mean? You only get confident boxing by sparring. Yeah. Nothing beats time sparring. You can hit the pads as much as you want, but they don't hit back. Yeah, so true. Unless you got a naughty pad man. Hmm. by the way you, have, you know the hard bait on the top of the pads where you turn your hand down yeah. how much does that hurt when you get hit with it by the yeah. way or even more, it's cause... more than any punch when you get one
0: here that, of that flat bait of the pad holy shit our coach our coach my brother always tells a story one of our coaches uh, Q he's actually a foster dad as well yeah. what he used to do is, he'd be like whip them in son whip them in and be cracking in the body in the corner like you'd be yeah. by, like taking your bread away it Yeah, annoying. it's naughty it's naughty yeah. I saw 10 but you can hit the pads you can hit the
1: bag as much as you want but nothing beats Time sparring,
2: yeah,
1: like those things help, but it's the same with jujitsu. I have got so much better at jujitsu in lockdown, I haven't done a single class or learned to thing, done any drilling. All I've done for the last three weeks is roll six and um, six five minute rounds, and I've got so much better because you can't beat time on the mat, yeah, can't beat time on the mat. I don't know why I'm talking about this, but again, it's with nerves, yeah, it's with nerves. I can practice, practice is important, but you can't beat the actual situation so a lot of the time you're gonna to have
0: to do things with nerves you
1: know what well, I mean that's, like, that's I the, only
0: way way to to the nerves that disappear you've got to do it with the nerves yeah and that's one of the only ways to come over to, to overcome your fears is to voluntarily yeah. face it to stay, step by step expose yourself a little bit more and more yeah.
1: so even you know as well as me getting punched in the face is nowhere near as bad as thinking about getting punched in the face. Yeah I mean it still hurts like yeah. I broke my nose I broke my nose but It's like, it's not thinking about it's way worse than it actually happening. Once you start letting your hands go, you forget about the nerves because you're present. Yeah. Most people get anxious when they're fucking bored.
0: And do you find that why do you find that 's why so men are, are, are drawn or so many men obviously a lot of women as well, but it really is more so men are, are drawn to combat sports because when you 're in the heat of battle when you're doing your spawn and all this kind of stuff it's one of the only times that we are present that we're in the moment're in that, this I can't
1: think of, about anything else otherwise you're getting fucked up. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah and I
1: also think that men have more they have this natural aggression and testosterone. It's like a fucking primal instinct. That's why I love it. I love it so much. My son loves it. He's only nine. So why he loves so much about boxing, son. He said, "I get, I get, get rid of my anger." I'm like, "What are you angry about?" He says, "Well, nothing really. It just makes me feel good hitting the pads." Yeah. Women get the same. It's a, it's a stress release for people. But I think we have a, a lot of natural aggression inside, and nothing makes you feel more alive. You think about it. It's a survival thing. Yeah, there's a reason. and I'll get called sexist for this, but there's a reason men are usually. Faster, stronger,
0: bigger, Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a biological fact. It's like yeah. I any, any logical person I would not debate that. No, nah,
1: no. Nah. It's amazing. And, and and again, I think that this um, the, the whole anxiety and nerves thing, it's important for people to have it. Yeah. And again, sometimes I'm like, it's just there to make sure I do a good job. It's there to test whether I've practiced or not. <laughs> i want also, to put you in you the box. Honest, right? Dude, honestly, I cornered this kid once. I, I've cornered a lot of lads in white-collar fights, right? And uh, they say, Paul, I've got no energy, I need a Red Bull. I'm like, dude, trust me, when you hear a name and your your workout music comes on, you'll have enough energy for this fight. One guy had a line of coke before his fight because he didn't have (laughs) enough energy. Quit on his stool after round one. Literally, my heart's going to explode. I said, well, it's not. But I told you, your body, you think about that, nerves... Your body, I'm like that's just my body providing me, the, me with the energy that I need to get through this. <laughs> yeah, 100. Yeah, anxiety and nerves, like I said to a, a group this morning, that I was coaching. I said anxiety has its own heart rate. It has it even if you think about this, nerves and anxiety
0: they have their own fucking temperature.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I do. It's amazing. Yeah. And what, what was your kind of, what was your boxing experience like? So I think you said you had three fights. Yeah, I had three fights. My first one I won, the second one I drew, the third one uh, I got I lost. Um, but.
1: I want to fight that kid again this year, but I'm much better now. Yeah. Like I used to just go looking for a brawl before. My biggest challenge was I'd start too slow, and then I'd be chasing the fight. So every fight that I've had, the guy who I fought's been fucked by the end. But I've been having a pilot on because I've left it too late. Yeah. Okay. I'd slow. Like getting in the ring, the first round, I make my legs aren't moving. My legs will literally not fucking move because I've let their nerves and anxiety get to me. But now I'd be. I'd have to, I think I'd have to do five or six rounds, though, because I've done three rounders, and I'm just getting started. Yeah, It's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned, is that you've got to start. You either have to start a bit faster or take a longer fight. Yeah. yeah, but boxing changed my life. Boxing, I don't even do that much anymore. I do more jiu-jitsu now. My wife doesn't like me getting punched in the head, and I am 40 years old. But I've asked her if I could have a fight this year, and she said yes, just because I'm 40 this year. So yeah. um, boxing, back in the day, yeah. So I was a PT for a long time. I haven't trained anybody since 2011, though. So, nine years now since i trained someone. But when I lived in Marbella, like I say, I got fat. I got fat. And you've also got to consider I'm friends. Even back then, I was friends with some of the best trainers in the world. I had loads of them on my podcast. So write me programs. I wouldn't do anything. When I moved back to England, I even had my own gym. Like, fully kitted out. but guy from Ireland, um, you know Black Box Fitness? Do you know who he is? Gregory Yeah. yeah. Brad? But Greg actually... He he came in unstoppable. He said, "I'll I'll kick your gym out for you for free." I say, like, "Fuck it, let's do it." Hardly ever trained because I was doing something that I fucking hated, and I was doing it on my own.
2: Yeah,
1: hated it, hated it. And you, and the thing is, you hate most things when you're out of shape. Most exercise is very hard when you're out of shape, and I was trying to do exercise that I did when I was in shape. So my body hated it. I hated it. It required willpower and motivation then one of our friends that just got qualified as a, as a boxer size instructor i'm actually also lucky you know the guy that owns boxes and Andy's a friend of mine as well and he said do you want to go on the pads i was like yeah fuck it i could do back then three one minute rounds on the pads with one minute rest so my friend used to come and train me and um, for nine minutes six minutes yeah no it's nine minutes he used to come for nine minutes and train me and then go now if i had to do 12 three minute rounds like tomorrow Possibly do a 12 round fight tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I've just learned how to cheat, really. You know, it's like army <laughs> gum shields coming up, army head guard dudes coming up, <laughs> you know, army laces being fastened. <laughs> all those cheats and obviously running away and all that shit and holding. And, but yeah, um, that suddenly woke me up because I found something that I love to do, just hitting pads, it was then as well. And then I discovered sparring. I was like, holy shit, this is the thing for me because I no longer needed to force myself to exercise. It wasn't I didn't have to say oh I have to do that. It was I get to do that. Yeah. Yes, I get to do that tonight. And that changed everything for me. And then I found jujitsu and then that was the same thing. I get
0: to do jujitsu tonight.
2: Yeah. Almost
0: begging people to come and train jujitsu with me. Yeah, that's that's kind of an experience I've had kinda a little bit. And I think it's such a such a really important point to hammer home to anybody listening, is like find something that you enjoy doing. And for me, then things are football and boxing. It's like, because I'm, I'm playing. It's, I'm having yeah, I think fun. think the important thing as well is, I'm like, do what you, do what you love to do.
1: And I'm like, the, the great thing about those is you can constantly see yourself getting better. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm getting, and I'm weight trained now at home, twice a week, but I don't really like it. However, I can see how if I keep doing it, I'm going to get better at jujitsu and boxing. Yeah. So I'm able to link it now. It's not just about getting in shape for me. Not just about that. Because at the end, I'm not that bothered about having a six-pack. I'm 40 years old. And I'm in good shape for a 40-year-old dad of two. Yeah. I can roll six five-minute rounds with a fucking 21-year-old MMA fighter. Yeah. So it's like it, – it, it's like, and it's because I like doing it. If you – do something that you love doing as long as it continues to get your results. So it's kind of like – you know do you know this in, in weight training, and getting shape to talk about progressive overload? Yeah. Well, any kind of combat sport will always be progressive overload because every, you'll, you can go with someone better than you. Yeah. If you train it, then, and again, I also think the community aspect of both of those sports and even football as well. Um, I actually, when I was 37, I hadn't played football for five years and I made a comeback and I loved it. But the problem was I'd need like three days off training after I had a match. Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and I loved the banter, but then I found jujitsu, and now I get that banter every day of the week yeah football is great yeah, but the, the, a lot of people team. get a lot of people
0: fuck themselves up for playing football yeah yeah that's it aye that's it yeah it's crazy you get less injuries fighting than I did playing football what, it's actually it's crazy Like the, the amount of injuries yeah. I've gotten through football versus boxing Like I've yeah. had it a black eye or a busted nose or something but that's the height of it really maybe yeah. some good jiu-jitsu I've only ever got one injury one injury
1: when a guy spazzed out and I just, I just hyper extended my elbow so the only real injury that I've had in jiu-jitsu. Considering that the main submissions are, I'm going to try and pull your arm out of the socket, right? I'm going to try and bend your arm up your back. I'm going to try and snap your arm, or I'm going to strangle you. Yeah. I've never had any injuries. I got a thumb in the eye on the Wednesday. Yeah, the kid said to me, he said, I thought it was your mouth. I said, that shows how deep your thumb was in the eye, mate. <laughs> thumb straight in the eye. Yeah. That's the worst it's really got for me, though. Yeah, it's mad.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm a big, big, big fan of boxing. I guess one of the, one of the reasons I kind of love our members, kind of love, love what we do because we incorporate so much, so much boxing and stuff. into. obviously, I, I feel like I just, I just touched on, like, the community aspect of, I think, is just something that people, people underlook. You Especially
1: know, men. It's the tribe thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's the tribe thing. Being around other men is a huge deal. When guys struggle to isolate themselves all the time.
0: Because women know, are maybe a little bit naturally better at it, I think.
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I think that also in jujitsu we talk about this quite a lot. There's no egos. And boxing's the same. There's a lot of we've had loads of doormen coming in and train with us and never come back. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the guys are training in the MMA gym are dogs. they proper at twerps. And I admit it, they've nerds. And nerds cause it's a thinking man sport as well. But boxing's boxing similar. Like you can't just get away with being tough and aggressive.
0: Yeah, if you're if you're trying to be tough and aggressive, you're 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 just too one-dimensional. You know, it's it's easy, to, it's it's what it's obvious what you're going to do. You know, yeah, it is, and you can see your punches coming a mile off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know friend, um, Tony
1: Jeffries? He owns two gyms in 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 a uh, Yeah, Boxingburg. Tony's a good mate of mine, and he um he's literally built those two gyms just on boxing, and people love it. Yeah, yeah. It's people people do love it, and, and I think it's for those reasons: community, stress relief, aggression. And it's fun as well. Yeah. I would have thought of getting punched in the face, it's fun. Yeah. And what one of the biggest yeah. things I have with people is the everybody's I go, Stephen, what's Say your again? thoughts on hitting the punch bag?
0: Say again. What, what do you What do you think about hitting the bag? I love hitting the bag. I love good shit. Yeah. I love beating the shit out of the bag. I love hitting different bags. You know, I love yeah. the heavy bag. I love the, an that's bag. the
1: difference I think. So we got at the start of lockdown, I put a bag up in my garage, and I'm like, wow, this is shit. But I think you're right about the different bags. Yeah. yeah. In my old gym, I had an aqua bag, and you know the aqua bag, dude, I yeah. love it. And that thing. Yeah. Because you can all and cut, it, you can throw it. It was just fun. We just got a big heavy bag in in the garage, and I'm doing fucking six three minute rounds. I'm like, oh my god, this is boring. I think I'm doing it wrong.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I do. I need I'm a little I'm bit of writing like, Because obviously I'm in the studio we have, we got I think we've got a three three different bag variations. One's an upper bag, one's a heavy bag, and then you got kind of a we I like to call it, the sexy bag, and I got the wee curve. Oh yeah, yeah, with the shoulders and that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've just they've just put one of them in weight training. Sbg actually, yeah. Yeah. But what we, my brothers, have been doing the last little while. Every morning we do we do a bit of weight training, obviously, because this is what I think. This is what people get stuck. Like they're looking for the most optimum programs Like when I was kind of doing my study and all, it's like right, what's the most obvious? Like obviously, listen, it's some some sort of combination of probably sprint tra- or uh, strength training and sprinting is probably you know the optimum form of getting strong, getting super fit. But it's like it's not that fun. So it's like, it's like you need to dial it back and find that nice balance. So do a little bit of strength training and yeah. do a little bit of kind of, you're a high intense individual. Yeah,
1: you know what I love about what you just said there? I think it applies to any area of life. I get so many business questions. What's the best way to do this? Yeah. I'm like, stop looking for the fucking best way and just get started, bro. You'll figure the best way out. That's how I figured out the best way. Yeah, we can ask people, but their best way doesn't mean it's our best way. Yeah, so true. Like I was saying that about the video. If you listen to the experts, my video is too long. Yeah. If you listen to the expert, daily email's too much. Yeah. If you listen to the experts, I shouldn't swear so much. You know what I mean? Yeah, so but, true. Like, the best way is, oh, don't swear. The best way is have polished videos. The best way is this way, that way. But just find a way and find a way that you like to do and that you're actually going to follow through with. Yeah. One of my favorite yeah. things, I think at some point you've got to eat shit. So I know that if I don't weight train, I tend to get a little bit soft. Yeah. doesn't mean that I like it, so, sometimes I have to eat shit, but if that's all I was doing, I'd get fat again.
0: Yeah. 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 me remember, that's when we started doing this lovely routine now. It's great. Can kind of we do this? I like a little ball of pack. We get up in the morning, we do our 30 minutes weight training, the same workouts that our clients do. And then we add on 30 minutes of flow sparring. So, yeah. like light, light contact, maybe, you know, forty, fifty 50%. Usually, yeah. towards the end, maybe it ends up around 70 or 80%. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's just, just such good fun, you know. And you're in the moment, you're in that flow. Can you spawn kind of light? I'm terrible at sparring light. Yeah, not good. My really, we, 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 me, my brothers can can do, I can do more so at one one of our brothers than the other. We have, we <laughs> all, <and> like, <laughs>
1: love it. Like, I love
0: it. I'm like, I can't spa light
1: because for some reason, like when I spawn light, everything's like my punches are slower as well. I'm just yeah. shit. I'm, like, I'm not good enough to spawn light. Yeah, I don't, and I know, but that's good. Can we just do like a, it's called floor rolling where you kind of flow, And I'm like, I can't do that. I'm too much of a spaz.
2: Yeah, dude. Honestly, we have a
1: we have a guy we have a guy trains with us in the UFC. Right? It's called he's fighting actually on the 25th of July in on it's called Fight Island. So they've got this island now, the UFC where they're where they're running on the fights. No He's fighting there in four weeks, and um, whenever there's floor rolling, like I'm not allowed to spar with him. <laughs> I'm not allowed to roll with him because I think
0: I'm like. Davey, I'm gonna injure you because I'm too much of a spaz. Yeah, just by being being a little bit more control. We'd always say that you know if you can't, if you, you really need to. let the, the the what is it the, the, the kind of the, the, the amateur, the person starting out. Because I know, because my kind of thing is like I'm not a great boxer. I'm more of a fighter, so I feel like when I have to do flu sport, my power's taken away and I can't hit you hard. Yeah,
1: it's yeah, harder yeah,
0: for me. Yeah, yeah. To you know, you know I I think think
1: sometimes we we and again I'm trained with a lot of um guys getting ready for white collar fights. And then um, we to, people were like, oh, he's a dick, him. He like all tries to knock me out when he's foreign. You got to consider. I think there's some fear in there as yeah. well. He's not trying to knock you out. He's just a big fucking terrified. So he's just fucking swinging for the heavens.
0: Yeah. And or he like, could even just it doesn't really have, doesn't really know how to control his body yet. In the, yeah. In, in, yeah. in the movements, you know, he I mean? yeah. just doesn't have the, the refined motor skills maybe yet. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, and just before yeah. we kind of finish things off, Paul, I'd love to kind of leave somebody, uh, the guys. One of the kind of the biggest things I liked about the the book is the concept of the the, the Big Five or the the F Five. Um, yeah. So we got focus, we got fitness, we got family, we got finance, we got fun, and I really think this is something that people do, and it's like this: we get we get so bogged down in one area. It's like I'm all it's all fitness for the next six or twelve weeks. It's all yeah. business. It's all blah, blah blah. So and we we dial in. So like. What is your kind of your, your system for for kind of setting goals? So the first Make- question I'd ask with this, and for me, it's important to grow all
1: five and work on all five. But what we tend to have is this: is which area of life requires the biggest transformation right now? And we set one thing that's like we call it a domino, if you like, and then we just tend to set up the other four to support it or around it. So focus is essentially mindset. You're always going to need to improve that. Yeah. Um, fitness is obviously fitness. Fitness in our game tends to be more about energy, having the energy to, to build your life out. That's what it's about. It's about state, essentially. If guys want to compete, they can compete. If guys want to fight, they can fight. And whatever you want to do, find a way. Um, family is obviously about family, experience, time, attention, improving the relationships. Um, finance is obviously a business. And fun, Fun we make it about either experiences, which you can't really have right now, or about recovery because people are under-recovered. The yeah. Guys don't put any attention on the recovery, like, and what I mean by that is they treat rest as a reward for hard work when really it's a prerequisite for kicking ass. Yeah, like, so that's what all those are. So we tend to just be like, which, which area do you want to work on the most? You can choose one and then set up the other four support, it don't just disregard them.
0: Okay, cool. And one of the favorite things is the, the, the what, the why, the benchmarks, the obstacles, and the solutions. And one thing I really love about this is the benchmarks. It's like yeah. people love to set vague, foggy goals. Every time I ask somebody, like, oh, what's your goal? I want to lose weight and get, uh, lose weight and get fit. And it's like, oh, well, like, you know, how much weight do you want to lose? How are we going to measure success? A lot of times we don't want to, we don't want to define success because then we also have to define failure. Yeah. Um, and something, something I like to do—a concept that I've kind of been really trying to preach over the last few while—is like, you know, treat your fitness like a business. You know, yeah. it's like you look for the KPIs. So it's like, what are what are the metrics we need to move to help to help you lose weight and yeah. get fit? It's like, well, how many calories are you eating? You got to have an or? idea what progress looks like.
1: You got to have an idea what progress looks like. So for me, um, when we do this book deal, it'll be like if I just said my goal is to write a book, most people wouldn't get started on that. My goal could be to write the book. But then my, my benchmarks are, well, I've got it. I'm going to do one chapter a week. Now it's smaller and less scary. Now it's actionable. Writing a book isn't really actionable. You'll either start it and never finish it, or you'll just not start it. So it's about shrinking the goal down in steps. You can only take one step at a time. You can legit only take one step at a time. So when people say they're overwhelmed, it's the same thing. They think they have to take all the steps at once. And they're not clear on which one they need to take first. You can only take
0: one step. Yeah, so that's it, essentially, yeah. Yeah, class, love it. So, Paul, come here, listen, before we wrap things up, if anyone's kind of interested in kind of what you do, and maybe you're interested in working with you, finding out more, again, I really do recommend following you on, on Instagram, especially, it really is some, some some absolute knowledge ball that's been dropped on the daily. Um, where's the best place to keep in touch? Well, let's go to Instagram.
1: I'm Instagram, I'm Facebook, I'm um, UK is where you can go and um, subscribe to my world famous daily emails. Um, don't go there if you're easily offended. My emails tend to be a little bit um. I let's do. just say the challenge certain people's beliefs.
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Happy days, listen, Paul. Listen, I uh, generally thanks a million for coming on. Really, really appreciate it. you're kind of one of these people I see I think you. I was I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll chance my arm. I'll send him a message. See so if we can get them on. So it was great. Until you know. my last podcast interview until September. No way. I think, yeah. I think I had to wait. I think I had to wait like a month for this as well. Yeah. yeah. Definitely worth the wait. Amazing. Thanks a million, Paul. Really appreciate thanks. it. Have, Have been, a bro. great day, right? You too, bro. Bye, bye.